up for you. We're going to spend some time in Joshua chapter 1 tonight. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, that'll be good. Let's thank our musicians. Um, Joshua chapter 1. So the storyline getting up to Joshua 1 is, it's hard to summarize. Let me do it as quickly as I can. you got this group, this nation of, uh, of Israel, and their story begins in Genesis 12. And you have this guy named Abraham. God says, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to give you a child, and from your lineage is going to come this, uh, this incredible nation, and they will be as numerous as the stars or the grains of sand on the shore. And God begins this incredible story that through this man and his wife and their faith, uh, they have a child, and uh, it just kind of like goes from there. This lineage builds out, and they find... Uh, they become this nation, this big group of people that then is enslaved in Egypt, and they're enslaved there for a long time. Moses shows up, says, we're going to get out of here, because that's God's plan, and tells the Pharaoh a bunch of times to let his people go. And uh, they finally make it out of there, and they begin this pilgrimage, because God says, I have I have this piece of land for you. And it's the best land on on the entire planet. And I'm not just saying that. I've seen it all. Like I'm, I've seen it, literally. And this is the best piece that you could possibly find. There is no better stretch of land anywhere to the point where we're still fighting over it today. And it's like, this is going to be yours. I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to bring you there. And the problem is, though, that people live there already. And you're going to have to fight them. And you are not a nation of warriors. You're a nation of... Uh, of people who've been enslaved, you've been making bricks your whole life. And so you don't know how to fight. You don't know, you don't have any weapons. You don't have any of that kind of stuff. And so um, I could just bring you straight to the first group and like, hey, y'all go fight them. It's going to be okay. But you won't trust me enough to do that. Even though I've done some pretty amazing things for you as a people, you don't trust me enough right now just to go and just like, start fighting people who are in a fortified city who obviously they know how to fight. You don't know how to fight. Um, so I'm going to, instead of bringing you right into them, I'm going to bring you kind of off this like kind of roundabout way. I'm going to bring you uh, into a, instead of a straight shot, I'm bringing you over here. I'm going to bring you where there's no food at all. And I'm going to feed you. I'm going to cause food to disappear on the ground every morning. And it's not going to be the best food you've ever had. But it's, it's, it's enough. And I'll do that every single day so that you trust that I'm, I will provide for my people. And there's not going to be a lot of water where I'm going to bring you, but it's okay because I can do crazy things like bring water out of rocks. And so 
I'm going to bring water out of rocks for you and for your flocks and all that kind of stuff. Because I want you to know I take care of my people. Um, you're not going to know where to go because this is, I mean, you're not, you don't have Google Maps. You know, you don't know where to go. I'm going to show you. Uh, and if I'm, if you're moving at night, I'll be a big pillar of fire. And if you're during the day, I'll be a cloud. And if the cloud stops, then that, you, you need to stop. And if the cloud moves, you need to follow the cloud. Because I want you to know that I lead my people. So I'm going to feed you. I'm going to make sure you have water. I make sure that you have leadership. I'm also going to put some people leaders in out there too, because uh, as as great as it is to walk, follow a cloud around all day long, it's not very personal. So I'm gonna I'm gonna appoint some people that are gonna stand in front of you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna speak to you through them. I'm gonna guide you through them. So I'm gonna give you leadership. Um, so we're gonna do all that over here on the side, and then after a while of eating this miraculous food and drinking this miraculous water and following this miraculous leadership, you're gonna be like, hey, I think this guy knows what he's doing. Uh, I think that we can probably do anything that he calls us to do. And then when you're ready, when your faith is strong, I'm going to bring you straight into that land. And then we're going to start fighting. And it's going to be terrible because <laughs> fighting is terrible. But it's going to also be awesome because uh, there's going to be victory that comes to you that only God can get the credit for. And so you're going to be a part of this amazing story. Now, while they're off to the side, they start to complain, and they have all these problems, and they stay there a lot longer than they should. And God's like, hey, there's, there's just a certain number of you that, just, that are not going to go into this land, but your kids are going to get to go. And so when he gets to that point, after they've been there a while, it's like, okay, now, now it's time. And so he leads them, and they're at the shore of this river, the Jordan River. And so here they are, they're the ones who were, they were kids when they came out of Egypt, and they've been watching this food being provided, and the water being provided, and the leadership being provided, and they watch their parents be faithless, and they've learned, like, this God, he, he knows what he's doing, he is awesome, he is trustworthy, whatever he wants us to do, let's do it. And they get to the shore of the river, and what they have to do is they have to cross this, it's a pretty intense river, they have to cross this really intense river, go to the other side of the water, and start taking the land that God has given them, the best land on the planet. So the book of Joshua describes that conquest. It's them on the shore of the Jordan, preparing to cross over this river into this promised land that they will then begin to take bit by bit by bit. So this month in January, we're going we're gonna to go through the first couple of chapters, and what I don't want to do is I don't want to do one of those weird preacher things where you're like, this is exactly what we're about to do when we merge with Sherwood. It's not the same thing. So I'm not trying to misapply the Bible or do anything like that. These are very, very different. We're not going to fight anybody. I promise you that. Uh, we don't have to cross a river. We don't have to eat weird food we find on the ground or scrape rocks and find water. We don't have to do any of that kind of stuff. This is a very different thing. We're not a nation. We're not uh, that, all that kind of stuff. There's nothing about this that is... the same. But there are enough similarities that I think God wants us, just for the next few weeks, to look at their journey, look at our journey as as a group, and look at our journey as individual, like sons and daughters of God. And say, God, how how do we cross into this new thing in a way that is completely honoring to you and that builds our individual faith and strengthens the faith of everyone else? And how do we do this in a way 
that brings the kingdom near in a way that you have envisioned this, this happening. He's been orchestrating this for a long time on both sides. And uh, so I think the next few weeks are going to be good to just kind of help us like get buttoned up a little bit and ready to go, uh, go over there. So let me just read it. We're going to do the whole chapter, and I promise you I'll move quickly. But let's just read the flow of this chapter, starting in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to, to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So all that is to Joshua, who is taken over from Moses, to lead these people. In verse 10, Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it. The land that, the, that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. So that what he's saying to them there is that, hey, we're going we're gonna to cross over the land. And as we begin to conquer it, some of your tribes, that's going to be like your land that we just conquered. And then we're going to have to keep going because there's other land out there to conquer for some of the other tribes. And so you first couple of tribes to get your land... Uh, your, your wives and your kids and your livestock, they can all like stay there and start to like set up camp or whatever you do. But all the men, you're going to keep going with all the other tribes, and we're going to all fight our way through the whole territory until everything has been conquered. And once everything has been conquered, then the men can go back home and settle down. So in other words, this is a group effort. 
So just because yours may be the first or second group settled, we're not done until every tribe uh, is where they're supposed to be. So he's reminding them, like, hey, just when we get over there, don't be second-guessing this. This is part of the deal. Then verse 16. They answered Joshua, all that you've commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Three things, three things that I think we see here that have something to do with us as a church and us as individuals uh, as well. Here's the first thing. Is that the Israelites were active participants in God's plan. They were active participants. They were not passive. They were not just, just receiving God's blessing and that's it. He's like, no, this is going to happen. And you're going to be a part of making it happen. This is, this is how God works. If you look in verse 2. Says Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land I'm giving to them. So he says, arise, go over the Jordan, and go into the land. Then verse three says, every place your the sole of your foot will tread upon. So you have to you have to be in the land to be able to tread upon the the dirt. So he's telling them in part is like, hey, you're gonna you're gonna be a part of this. Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land. I swore to their fathers. So God says, I made the promise, and I'm going to keep the promise, but you, Joshua, are going to be the one that's going to help this all happen. Like, you're going to lead them, and through them walking through the Jordan, and walking into the land, and treading on the land, like them going into the land, has to happen in order for the plan to be carried out. So I was reading that the other day, and I was just thinking, like, man, wouldn't it be nice if God just did stuff for us? Like, I'm not saying He doesn't just do stuff, but hear, hear me out. Like, if He just snapped His fingers, and things would just happen miraculously, you know? Like, wouldn't it be nice if, if there wasn't any work involved on our end, ever? Some of you like you like work, you know. Work can be fun, but wouldn't it wouldn't it be cool if this if God just did things like if you let's say that you had a lifelong struggle with some some sort of like sin pattern that you're like this is not how God made me, you know. It's not He didn't make me to live this way. And what if you came before God and you said, God, I believe that you can and want to free me from this, and I just ask you to do that in the name of Jesus, Amen. And as soon as you said Amen, it was like completely gone out of your life. Wouldn't that be awesome? I know people that that, that has happened to in a, in a thing or two, but it, they are the absolute huge minority in terms of people that I know. The majority of the people I know who have walked out of some sort of pattern or something, it's because they brought themselves before the Lord and they said, I believe that you can free me from this. Uh, will you help me to put one foot in front of the other? And God... Has said, yes, I'll help you put one foot in front of the other. 
Will you empower my efforts to honor you in this? God says, yes, I'll empower your efforts to to honor me in this. That while he could just magically do stuff, the tendency in Scripture and in our experience is that we have to put legs to it. God could have just like scooped them up out of Egypt, taken them over, put them into this land that no one lived in. Like, here's the best land. I've been keeping everyone away from it just for you. Here's this like, completely empty land. You don't have to fight anyone. You don't have to like, build anything. It's like, the, here's this completely already built, perfect city that's better than you could have done because I'm God. And it's immaculate and perfect, and it's just waiting for you. Isn't this awesome? He could have done that. But he said, no, we're going to walk out of Egypt. We're going to walk to this land, and we're going to walk over here to the side, and I'm going to train you, and I'm going to teach you, and then we're going to walk to the edge of this river, and you're going to have to trust me that I can get all these people across this river, and then you're going to start going in one at a time, and you're going to conquer these people that already live there. And you're going to do that over and over and over again. I'm going to settle you and establish you, and it's going to be hard, and it's going to be work. Because you are active participants in my plan being carried out. You're not just these passive recipients of God's blessing where he just does all this crazy stuff. He's like, no, it's us together doing this. And I was wondering, and I was asking, I was like, God, why, why do you do it that way? Like, Because I'm pretty good at questioning God's plan. You know, that's my, what I'm supposed to do, right? That's what we're all supposed to do. Um, I'm just kidding on that, but I'm good at it. And I'm like, is this the most efficient way to do this? Like, wouldn't it be more efficient to, to do crazy, miraculous things? Like, if you're calling someone out, out of something into something better, or if you're calling someone to go deeper into something, and, and they really are in a place where they're ready to say yes to you, is it, wouldn't it be better for you to just do something miraculous, snap your fingers, uh, complete 180 change to something everyone else is going, wow, that's amazing. Like, isn't that better? Why don't you do it that way? Why did the Israelite, why did they have to go the long way to get there? Why did you have to build their faith? Why did they have to go, why were there people already in the land? Why this, why this, why this, why this, why this? And I feel like the Lord just kind of was like, hey, ease up. <laughs> because I'm a relationship, that's why. That's how relationships work. You see Father, Son, Spirit cooperating in creation. You see Father, Son, Spirit cooperating in the incarnation and Jesus' life and ministry. You see Father, Son, Spirit cooperating in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. You see Father, Son, Spirit cooperating in every single thing that has ever happened as the story unfolds. And everything that we are doing together... In life, the reason, a part of why it's all togetherness and relationship based is because God himself is a relationship. So God says, yeah, you know what's better than me doing it for you? Us doing it together. That's better. The Father, Son, Spirit create for six days and then there's rest. It's always that way. We work and then we rest. We work and then we rest. And we is the key word there. That doesn't answer every question about the conquest and having to fight people. I, there's a lot of that stuff I don't understand. 
But God says, yeah, I'm going to bring you the roundabout way to build your faith and to build a relationship. I'm, I'm going to do this systematically because I am a relationship. It's all about relationship. So, when it comes to Sherwood and that revitalization, we are not passive recipients of what God is doing. We're active participants in whatever it is that is happening. And so, we have to go over there. We have to... Um, we have to give, we have to serve, we have to have work days, we have to figure out how to like do certain things in regard to facilities and neighborhoods. And uh, we, we have never had to do senior adult ministry. We will have senior adult ministry to do. We have all these amazing opportunities. All these things are there that we are participating and putting action to what God is doing. We're joining Him. But it is going to be work, you know. The hard work is beginning. It's not like, oh, we made it to this point. Yes, now it's rest. It's like, no, actually the work is, like the next two months are going to be crazy amount of work. And it's going to be a blast. Like, I hope that you're along for the ride. Like, I don't think it'll ever be another two months like the next two ones that we're going to have. But it's going to require a lot of, of work and cooperative efforts. We're going to have to step into a lot of blind spots. And I know from talking with a, with a lot of you guys that you are excited about what God's doing. You're excited about these opportunities. But there's a lot of fear that exists among us. Fear that's really about the unknown. And fear of knowing that church people can sometimes hurt each other. Like Christians are sometimes the, the most mean to one another. Um, and fear that this, this thing, like groups coming together and starting something new... Uh, happens a lot, and sometimes it goes really poorly, you know. Um, but I can tell you, there is no there is no prenup in this marriage. Like we're we're committing to do this and to do this together. But what we're really committing to is like, hey, let's let's join together. Like that's, I know I keep talking about a marriage, and I don't want to overdo that or like you know be weird about that. But I think in terms of like. Is two equal groups that are coming together to make a commitment to one another. That's what that's what marriage is. Um, but what we're really doing is we're saying, "Hey, let's let's be active participants in what God is doing in our city. Let's just do it together." We've been doing it in apart for a long time now, and we kind of need one another in order to do something together. Can we do something special together? Can we can we? Bring the kingdom to Baton Rouge in a way that's maybe unique. It's not better or worse than any other church that's doing it, but can we do something like special here between us? And God is saying, hey, if you're willing to be active participants, then let's rock and roll. Like, let's do this thing. If you just want to be passive recipients, though, if you just want to sit back and like expect me to like miraculously bring unity and goodness and all this kind of stuff, he's like, that's not how it works. You've got you to gotta have faith. You have to trust that I take care of my bride, that I take care of my people. That if I'm bringing you together, then you gotta, you gotta, so you gotta get those nurseries ready, and you gotta get those, uh, those rooms ready, you gotta get that sanctuary ready, and you gotta, like, set a date and make a move and come underneath one roof and trust that I'm doing something here. And as we put legs to our faith, as we say yes to Him, and as we, um, as we look to him and say, what's the next step? And he says, take this one. Then we take it. And both groups doing that. Eventually, it's just one group. That's what we're doing. Thing after thing after thing. 
that there will be that that rhythm of work and rest and work and rest and work and rest that we see. And so for Israel, they had to go over the Jordan. They couldn't just sit on one side and be like, man, wouldn't it be sweet to live over there? Isn't it going to be great one day when we live on the other side of that river? Can someone come in and take care of that for us? Can someone run all those people out for us? Can someone come and build our houses for us? Can someone clear the land for us? Can someone build a bridge over this river so we don't have to like walk through the river because it's gross? Can someone come and do all that stuff? And God says, no, 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 that's not how it's going to work. You're going to do it. And part of what we are saying is we're looking at Sherwood Baptist and we're like, all right, all hands in the middle. We're going to be active participants in what God's doing between us. And we're going to take steps of faith in that direction. Same thing happens in our lives. You know, passivity is, is a great enemy in terms of our sanctification. If you are unwilling to do the work, if you are unwilling to confess, if you are unwilling to be open, if you are unwilling to let people into your life, unwilling to seek help, unwilling to, to pray about things, unwilling to listen to God, unwilling to apply the scriptures, if you are unwilling to do all those things, then your life will not change. It just doesn't work that way. So not only are we active, active participants at a corporate level, as an individual, if you know that God is calling you into something or out of something, however you want to think of it, then God looks at you and says, hey, I'm willing to empower every effort that you make in that direction, but you're going to have to take the steps. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to cross the river. You're going to have to have that conversation. You're going to have to pray that prayer. You're going to have to set up that counseling appointment. You're going to have to stop doing that. You're going to have to start doing that. Whatever it may be, we cannot, we cannot be duped into thinking that we can be passive. He's called us to be active because relationships are active. That's how it works. So whether, whether you think in this term of our, us making a move to Sherwood, or whether this is about your individual like growth and maturing and what God has for you, or however you want to apply it, it's always going to be the same, that we actively participate. It's how God set it up to work. It's always in tandem. Um, and that way He is glorified, and we get what's good for us, and everybody wins. Second thing, that the most important things will remain in place on the other side of the Jordan. God is very clear with Joshua and with the people of Israel that the other side of the Jordan is where the promised land is, but the very things that led them to this shore of the Jordan will be present on the other side as well. Look at verse 5. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. So say, my presence has been with Moses and with you all the way to this point. And even though Moses has died, it doesn't mean that I have gone away. I'm with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. That on this side of the river, you are confident that my presence has been with you. Guess what will also be the, the case on the other side of the river? My presence with you. It's not going to change. It's not going away. Look at verse, verse 7 and 8. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. 
Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you'll have good success. He's like, hey, guess what has guided you to this point? Besides my presence, the second, secondary thing has been the book of the law. Guess what you're going to carry with you across the river and to the other side? The book of the law. The same, the same things that got you here will sustain you on the other side. My presence, the book of the law. And another thing I noticed, look in verse 17 that we read earlier, the response of the people it said, just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. You know what's also present on the other side for them? Leadership. We say, yeah, we said yes to Moses. We say yes to you. You know, what? You know why we said, said yes to Moses? Because God was with him and we knew it. God will be with you. We'll say yes to you. There's this, this sense that God is saying, hey, I know that that for you to be obedient and go over the river and go to the other side and that everything that's ahead is a huge step of faith and you're stepping into a lot of unknown. There are probably tons of fears that they had. And I've referenced a lot of them about uh, fear of war, fear of the unknown, fear of being able to provide for their families. And there's probably just so many things. And we see it on their journey when they kept telling Moses, man, let's just go back to Egypt. We had so much food there. We had so much stability there. And he's like, you know you were slaves, right? And they're like, yeah, we don't care. We just really like, we really like the food. They're going into all this unknown. We're going into unknown. There's a lot of unknown with this. We, you know, we moved from Parkview to the BCM and the BCM to here. And which each of those steps, we, you know, we're kind of like, oh, I think we can make this work. We've never, we've never taken a step of faith like this as a church family before. We've never had uh, had um, a situation where we're like, yeah, let's let's take on like forty more people that we don't know. That's a huge investment. Forty souls, forty people that Jesus loves and died for, and we're gonna be like, yeah, let's come on in. You know, we'd love to pastor you. We'd love for you to be a part of of our covenant and all these all these things. We'd love to be. Uh, stewards of relationships with you. We've never had to do something that significant before. That our pastors are about to have 40 new sheep that we have to stand before the Lord and give an account for one day. That's pretty big. And yes, a number of them are older. We've never had to do senior adult ministry. And yes, there's a neighborhood there that we've never, we never really had a neighborhood to steward. We were always kind of Letting Grace take the lead on that here. and um, Very few of you even live in Sherwood Forest. And so we're like, I don't know how to do that. In a building? I mean, we've, been, we've just been the renter. You know, If you've ever rented an apartment, what happens when the air conditioner goes out? You call your landlord and say, hey, fix it. Guess who the landlord is now? Not me. It's someone else. But it's one of us, somebody in this room. <laughs> like, we got to fix it. We got to steward that place. There's all these things that are unknown to us, all these concerns, all these big, huge commitments on the other side of this river. And so I think we pay attention to what God's telling them, and He always telling them is like, hey, the very things that got you here are going to be the case on the other side. 
The things you've been relying on so far, it'll be the same over there. My presence, my word, my people, all are going to be on the other side. So how, how are we going to do this and this and this and this and this? And have you all thought about this and this and this and this? What about this and this and this? And all these things, all these great questions. It's like, well, what have we done so far? We've uh, looked at the scriptures. We've asked God what to do. We've done what he told us to do. We've been open and honest with each other. We've held to the new covenant and our church covenant. And all of that is present on the other side of this move. We're just going to keep doing those things. To one degree or the other, it's worked so far. It'll keep working. And what will we keep doing? We'll keep looking at the Bible and keep praying asking God what to do and keep saying yes to Him and keep being open and honest with each other and hold to the new covenant and hold to our covenant. I mean, that's what we're going to keep doing. And that'll show us exactly how to handle new people, senior adults, a building, a neighborhood, anything else you want to add to that list. So I think there are similarities where God is saying, hey, even though a lot of things are changing, the most important things are not changing. The most important things are not changing. I said this when we moved to the BCM the first time. Um, well, first of all, what's the greatest basketball movie of all time? Space Jam. Space Jam. Why do people keep saying Space Jam? <laughs> I said that in Zachary this morning. They're like, Space Jam, obviously. Someone else was like, Teen Wolf. I was like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So, nothing against you Space Jam fans, but what's the real greatest basketball movie? Hoosiers. Hoosiers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm not trying to spoil anything, but if you ain't seen it, then you ain't seen it. They play a big game at the end of the movie, a high school basketball team. Before they make the trip from their high school gym to this big arena, uh, coach goes and he, he gets the team together in the gym. He measures floor to the rim, baseline, the free throw line, that kind of stuff. Has them write down the measurements. They get on the bus, go to the new place. They walk in, they're like, whoa, what a giant gym. You know, it's like, it's Indiana, I'm like, come on. But they walk to this gym, they're like, whoa, never seen a building this big. We're just from the country, you know, that whole, whole thing. And um, it's so endearing, they're so overwhelmed, and he has a measure, the floor to the rim, baseline of the free throw line. And his point is like, hey, you're going to get, it's easy to get overwhelmed with all this kind of other stuff, but we're here to play basketball. It's the same in our little gym as it is in this big arena. Like The important stuff is the same. And it's kind of a miracle that we're entering into this new situation and uh, like we're able to carry so much of what is important to us over into there. And they're welcoming us saying, come on, let's do this. It's going to be awesome. And the same things are the case in our individual lives as well. That when God is calling you to deeper things or calling you out of bad things, it's the same stuff. The same things that got you to that point will continue. When we say, when we take steps of obedience, we don't throw out the Bible afterwards. God doesn't like take off and abandon us afterwards. All those things that got you to the point where you're ready to take that step are going to continue, and they're probably just going to deepen as you go the other side. Here's the last thing. Is that the entire group has to keep saying yes to the Lord. The whole group had to continue to say yes to the Lord. There's that paragraph, 12 through 17, that I was talking about where uh, it's like, hey, you you first couple of tribes to get settled, uh, don't forget that all the men, you're going to keep fighting for all the other tribes as well. 
that everyone has to say yes to the full conquest of the full land by the full nation. We have to keep saying yes. It has to be a collective thing. What they are doing was a corporate act of obedience and an individual act of obedience. Every man, woman, and child had to say yes to God. Let's cross the river. Let's take the land. And they also had to say yes. Well, they had to say yes on their behalf and on behalf of everyone else. It was a group yes. And it was an individual yes. And so as we go over into this next like season for us as a group, it's, it's all of us saying, yeah, God's doing something and I want to be a part of it. It's not about a couple of people saying yes. It's part of, like, there's a bunch of reasons why we voted, but one reason why we're like, hey, we want to know what everyone thinks. And it's miraculous, like truly miraculous, that all those people involved all said yes. It's not a one-time yes. See, Israel, they could say, yes, let's cross the river, and then they could cross into the river and maybe take the first city, and that first tribe is like, this is our land, this looks pretty good. Y'all go on and y'all keep conquering, but we're going to kind of take care of ourselves here. Well before this, Moses said, hey, look, until we're all settled, we're not all settled. And so for us, as we say yes, we have to keep saying yes. We keep, we keep remaining committed to what he's doing. We keep remaining committed to each other and to this new group of people. Then in your own individual life, it's about saying yes to the Lord over and over and over again. That's a part of what following him is. It's not, I'm going to follow him for a little while, and then if it, gets, if it gets weird, if it gets difficult, if it gets uncomfortable, then I'm going to not follow him for a little while. The following after God in a relationship is we're just saying yes to Him over and over and over. It's, con- it's continual and it's corporate and it's active over and over and over again. So as a church, we are actively participating in God's plan being carried out for us. It's not Him doing everything. It's not us doing everything. It's us taking steps of faith and Him empowering those things that we are doing this with Him and by Him and through Him and for Him. But it's a togetherness. And the very important things to us that have gotten to this, to this point will be that's what will keep us going on the other side. And we have to keep saying yes to Him. And I know that it can be hard to do as a church. It's been hard. The last couple of years have been hard because it was... On a bunch of levels, it's just been difficult to just. We didn't know what he was doing. It was discouraging, and I mean, remember when we looked at that rug shop down the road, you know, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe we even walked in that place." But uh, and now we're just like, "Man, so glad we're not in a million dollar debt, you know, situation of some thing we're going to tear down anyway." I understand that it's difficult, but we'll just keep saying yes to him. But then in your individual life, the same, the same things apply. What, if you, when you sense him doing something, and you're like, man, he, he wants me to take these, these steps. He wants me to cross into this new season as a person, as a disciple, as a follower. You're an active participant in that. And as much as you may want him to just do everything, it's going to require you stepping into it. But he'll be with you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you.
He's given you all the tools for the journey, and Him being with you is the most important thing. And if you say yes to Him, you are not saying yes to Him by yourself. That none of this, none of this is, happens on an island or in a vacuum. That, that when you say yes to Him, you're surrounded by people who are also saying yes to Him, and they're saying yes to you too. That that's what, that's what a church family is supposed to do, is we're, we're fighting together. Um, we're fighting towards something beautiful and for something just incredible. And so whether, whether this lands well for you as an as a individual disciple and what he's calling you to, or whether this like, has more of a corporate application for you, or whatever reason this story, however it may connect, um, God may not even brought you here for this. It may have been for a song lyric or for a hug. I mean, I don't really know why he brought you here, but if it has something to do with this, uh, Jesus is the one that's offering this goodness to you. Jesus is offering um, like his best for you. And says, hey, let's, let's do this together. His body and his blood, that's the grace he's offering. He said, this is what you need to go forward. And so in a minute when we respond, communion is one option that we have. And one of our elders will be coming to serve uh, communion tonight. We'll offer you the body and the blood. And you're welcome in our line. If, if you want what Jesus is offering to you, you don't have to be a member of this church to do that. You just have to do it in faith, saying, yeah, this is what I need. He's offering himself to me, and I'm receiving that. You can come and kneel and pray. You can just stand and sing. You can come and give, however you want to respond. Uh, but we're going to respond in all those different ways, kind of all at once. It'll be crazy. It'll be awesome. Um, but recognizing that God is, is calling us into things and out of things, and He is at work among us, is pretty amazing. So let's, let's stand together. Let me pray for us. God, I am grateful to you, um, who you are, what you are doing in our lives, in our world, in our church, in our city. And I know that you are calling us constantly closer to yourself. You're, You're calling us to go more deeply into some things. You're calling us out of other things. Offering us hope, offering us freedom, offering us, uh, I mean, the best, it's just the best life that you have for us. Because you're just inviting us, like the, the landing point for all those things is, is you. So whatever the steps of obedience are for us as individuals, it's, we're stepping closer to you. Help us to be strong and courageous about confession or certain conversations or seeking help or whatever it is that you have for us. Uh, May we not be lured into passivity, but to recognize that being an active participant in your plan for us, being carried out, that's, that's part of how you work. But it's not because you're testing us. It's not because you're manipulative. It's because you are all about a relationship. And that's what we are saying yes to. And yes, we are grateful for what you're doing corporately. 
But all we really want, God, is more of you and more of what you have for us. So I'm thankful for these Israelites who chose to believe you, to believe that your promises and your power and your goodness were greater than anything they feared that was waiting for them on the other side. That you are are the best reason to say yes to you. It's just you. So as we receive communion, as we pray, as we sing, whatever wherever this needs to land for us before we go tonight, and we steward these moments well. We love you. We pray this in your good and beautiful name. Amen. All right. The table is open. Let's respond as he uh, leads in these closing moments.